0: And it is Denver Sports Tonight on this Friday night in the Mile High City. He's James Merillat. I'm Will Peterson. We are partying with you for the next hour because the Denver Nuggets are up 1-0 in the NBA Finals. Undefeated in the NBA Finals in their existence, their history. (laughs) James Merillat, did it live up to all the hype, my guy. You've been waiting for this moment your whole life.
1: It, It did, man. And it was... It was a great night from start to finish. It never really got stressful. Uh, I mean, you know me. I, I, in a Nuggets game, I typically have to go for a couple of walks around the neighborhood and, you know, go upstairs and watch uh, some Food Network just to calm my nerves. Uh, I just sat there and basked in the glow all night long. It was, uh, it was fantastic, a ton of fun, almost to the point, Will, where it was, it was so easy that I felt like, all right, they, they're good. They're going to win it. And like, all right, now today I'm kind of coming back to reality. They got three more games to go. Sunday, Sunday is the game. If they beat uh, the Heat and go up two zero, this thing is over. Can't wait for that. But yeah, last night was a a ton of fun, man. How about for you?
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, James, when you're up seventeen at the half and twenty one after the third quarter. It was so stress-free, relaxing, right? It was a party at Ball Arena. It, felt, it gave me vibes, and I understand the fourth got a little hairy, and we'll talk about that as the show goes on, but it gave me vibes of the Avs in Game 2 last year against the Lightning, when I believe they got us hockey tacos, and just blew them out of the building after winning Game 1 in OT. There is something about winning a championship game in a stress-free manner. Um, Obviously, in Super Bowls, the Broncos have really only had that once, Super Bowl 33 against the Falcons. The Avalanche, you know, I'm not going to go through all the history of all their 12-cup wins, but I'm sure they've had it a couple times. And for the Nuggets to get it in their first-ever NBA Finals game, that's a soak-up-the-moment type thing that, you know, you never had to feel the anxiety uh, of a championship game because your team was just rolling.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I just came away from the game just feeling like they are so much better than the Heat. And and I'm not trying to say this with any disrespect to Miami because the fact that they're here um, and they beat the one seed and the two seed out east, like, they've had a great playoff run. But just watching the game, I'm like, what is their answer going to be? Like, they tried several different things. It's like, oh, you want to put the... Somebody small on Aaron Gordon, fine. Nuggets will find it and get 12 points out of him in the first quarter and take a nine-point lead. You want to do this, you want to do that. And Denver always had an answer. It was just to me, and I don't think they played great, but it was maybe the best example we've seen during the playoffs of this team's basketball IQ. Hmm. And I, I just think when you've got a team that is, if you're the Heat, when you're facing a team that is more talented, right, physically they just they, you can't match up with them and they have a great basketball IQ, good luck. Like, what's the solution? I just don't know what it's going to be other than, you know, a little bit like in Game 7 against the Celtics. They just came out, and they were so much more aggressive than Boston, and Boston was just standing out at the three-point line, and it was, you know, Miami that was getting every rebound, every loose ball, or so it seemed. I just don't think the Nuggets are going to fall into that trap. I don't think they're going to be complacent. It was... uh, it was a clinic from a, from a basketball IQ standpoint. I'll put it that way.
0: Okay, and we have to comment on you know the whole undrafted storyline for the Heat, right? They have the most undrafted guys on a team to make the finals in NBA history, and it's fun and it's cute, but at some point, there's a reason those dudes went undrafted. There's a reason those dudes were thinking about packing their bags to go to Europe or Russia or wherever to play ball, or they've been on buses in the G League, because 30 other teams, 29 other teams, didn't think they were capable. Now, they've proved a lot of those critics wrong by winning the East. I'm not trying to diminish what some of these guys have done, but when you look at some of the shooting last night from the Caleb Martins and Max Struces of the world, a combined one of 17, I do think it's fair to ask, did the moment get a little too big for them? Did the stage get a little too big for them? Did it catch up to them that they are undrafted dudes playing in the NBA Finals?
1: Yeah, I mean, and again, it's no disrespect here, but... It felt a little bit like, you know, we all love the upsets in the NCAA tournament when the 13 wins and, oh, my gosh, they won in the second round, too. Now they're into the Sweet 16. And typically speaking, the clock eventually strikes midnight and they get boat raced by 30 when they face, you know, one of the power teams. You're like, okay, all right. uh, You know, it was a good run and they were it was kind of a magic carpet ride. But at some point, You just can't continue it. It's the classic example of just not a sustainable formula.
0: That clock strikes midnight, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And and the the carriage turns into a pumpkin or whatever. I don't know. I don't know nursery rhymes. The the slippers
0: doesn't fit anymore. I'm not sure. (laughs) But they're all analogies we've heard before that it's rare that Cinderella actually pulls off the championship. Correct. We saw it this year in the NCAA tournament. There were so many Cinderella's. And then a UConn team that proved to be best in the field won like their fifth national title in the last twenty years.
1: Correct, and it's why if you really just want to be in the uh, office pool every year, just pick all, just go all chalk, right? And by and large, you're going to do fine, and you'll be you'll be in contention by the end of it. Not a lot of fun, and you might not win it because you didn't have that one or two upsets that got you some extra points. But you're not going to be out of it, and I, it just sort of felt like that. I kind of felt like. And, look, this isn't something as a Nuggets fan you get to feel very much, if ever, but I just kind of felt like, you know, we were Kansas, and it was, uh, I don't know, Florida Gulf Coast that, that was rolling in, and all of a sudden was like, let me, let me tell you how this really goes here. That's just what it kind of felt like. Maybe not the best example. I don't remember who Florida Gulf Coast finally lost to, but you see what I'm saying if it just was – It was the haves and the have-nots last night, and the Nuggets were the haves by a mile. It was an 11-point game. It was not near as close as that final score would indicate, not not even remotely.
0: No, they were up 21 going into the third quarter. If they even break even with Miami, we're talking about a 20-plus point win in a finals game. They had outscored them in all three quarters before that. Honestly, if it weren't for them just falling asleep in the first two minutes of the fourth quarter, Eric Spolstra would have emptied his bench yes. a lot, lot earlier, and they would have won by 25-plus. So you can narrow down out of the 48 minutes they played, you can narrow down why it was an 11-point game to literally about 12-minute mark in the fourth quarter to about 10-minute mark in the fourth quarter. And that's when Spolster said, hey, I know my guys are exhausted, but if we're going to get this thing to nine, then I'm going to have to keep them in. And he kept them in until, what, 90 seconds to go, 60 seconds to go. So yeah. they would have gotten a lot more rest if the Nuggets had just Slap themselves back awake to to start that fourth quarter. Well,
1: the most stressful part of the game for me was the last twenty five seconds. uh because the the number the number was nine. Yeah, yeah. and it, and Miami had the ball. Like if they score there and cut it to nine or cut it to eight, they're probably not going to foul Denver. Denver's not going to shoot. Like I was on pins and needles for that final heat shot. Other than that, it was uh, it was it was you know coasting time. But yeah, the Nuggets did fall asleep, and the prime example of that. And I heard D Mac talking to O about this. It was the opening seconds of the fourth quarter when Nikola Jokic inbounds the ball to Jamal Murray and gets stolen and it's a layup for Miami. It's like, oh my gosh. The two best players on the on the floor, two best players for the Nuggets, couldn't couldn't execute a simple inbound pass to start the quarter. They just took their eye off the ball. They lost their concentration. I know Michael Malone was furious about it. He should be. One of my favorite things about Nick Saban. At Alabama is watching him just lay into some third stringer who messes up on special teams when they're up 52 to six over Vanderbilt. Right. I just, cause it's the standard, right? It's uh that's not how we do things here. And if you do it when you're up 52 to six, you're going to do it when it's 30 to six, you're going to do it when it's 14 to six, like it's a slippery slope and he just doesn't let any of it, any of it fly. Uh, I think Michael Malone being ticked about it is a, uh, is a good thing. And honestly, I think that's the best thing that could have happened in the Nuggets. I think if they roll roll out of there with a 25 point win, there's a much better chance that they let their guard down for Game Two. Now it's a, I mean, Michael Malone can harp on it for two days. Hey guys, look what happens when you uh, relax. They hit a bunch of threes, and all of a sudden they they cut a 21 point lead to nine in the blink of an eye. We can't let 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 up. We can't relax. We got to stay focused it's not just coach speak at that point. You can point it out to him. So in a in a weird sort of way, well, I think it was kind of a blessing in disguise.
0: Yeah, you're right. I mean, listen, James, it was Haywood Highsmith who got that layup. Yep. I'll be honest with you, I didn't even see it because I was either getting some food or I was tweeting or something, but all of a sudden I looked up like 10 seconds in, and Mike Breen's like, oh, an easy one for the Heat. And I was like, hmm, what even – happened there. It was at the 1151 mark. I don't know if you flipped over, though, to Scott Van Pelt last night um, on Center. It was great. I mean, it was just an hour of of praising the Nuggets on ESPN, which was awesome. It was like, oh, my gosh, they finally earned this. I guess when you win a game in the finals, they'll actually talk about you and not the other team. But one of the big takeaways was they played the the inside all-access to the locker room, and this wasn't something the Nuggets put out. I don't know if ESPN or ABC gets special permission for this or it's some sort of NBA contractual thing, but we got to hear Michael Malone's post-game speech raw and this is with, like, a camera in the upper corner of the locker room. So this isn't like he's got a camera in his face and he knows it. I'm sure he's aware he's being filmed and, and the audio is getting recorded. But it was a real genuine moment, James. And he harped on, we have got to play 48 minutes in game two. So exactly what you just said, I watched his message to his team on SportsCenter last night, and that's bingo spot on what it was.
1: Yeah, and and it's what it, it 100% should have been. And, you know, it's kind of a coach's nature, right? You. You focus on the negatives and not the positives because you learn more from the negatives. You learn more from mistakes and quote-unquote losing. They didn't lose the game, but they lost the fourth quarter. You learn a heck of a lot more than that from that than you do from winning moments, and that's exactly what he should do. And again, that's, that's what they're going to need because what would the message have been if they continued things in the fourth quarter? They win by 25. Eric Spolstra empties his bench with 10 minutes to go in the game or 6 minutes or whatever. Like... That's a little bit of a, a tough message of, hey, they're going to come back and they're going to have their, we're going to take their best shot. Like you can say all those things and you can even believe them, but it, it's somewhat hard to get your team to buy into it when they just <laughs> kind of had a cakewalk in game one. So, like I say, I think it's blessing in disguise. Good for Michael Malone. Um, I thought he did a great job last night using his timeouts when there would be runs. There was maybe one, and it might have been right to start the fourth quarter that I thought he went a possession or two too long. Where it was eight or ten points, and usually it's like, hey, after when when they run off six in a row, and you got a, the lead, just go ahead and fire one off. But uh, I thought for the most part, he did a really good job with that, and I think he's continued to set a good tone. My favorite moment of, la- of the game last night, well, well, there were two. Michael Porter Jr.'s putback dunk was ridiculous. Ah, the, so fun. One of the greatest plays we've seen in Nuggets history, honestly, and it was a little bit underplayed because they were showing the Lisa Salter uh, interview with with Aaron Gordon at the time, so you almost didn't get to see it, but. At halftime, the Heat miss a heave at, you know, from half-court at the at the buzzer, and the camera cuts, and it's Jokic and Murray and MPJ walking off the court. There wasn't a smile. They weren't high-fiving each other. There was no sense of accomplishment. It was just like this laser focus. And I was like, okay, this team is dialed in. Obviously, they lost that in the fourth quarter, but uh, I, I do feel it's a little bit of a team on a mission here, and I think they're going to be ready to go on Sunday. I think this thing by... 30, 9 o'clock on Sunday night, this series is all but over.
0: I, I tend to agree, and it's why when Miami beat Boston on Monday night, I tweeted, is it just me, or is this series going to be the Nuggets' 30 easiest of the playoffs? Phoenix was a tougher test. The Lakers were a tougher test. I said, this thing's going four, maybe five max. I, of course, got a lot of pushback from that. But uh, I'm not taking a victory lap after one game. That said, James, I don't see a way... Miami can extend this thing to even six. I'm not ready to broom it quite yet, but I'm in the same camp as you. As long as they don't go to South Beach tied 1-1, the Denver Nuggets are going to win the NBA Finals, and they could do it in very quick fashion. You know what, James? A week from tonight is game four. We could be dancing in the streets uh, a week from tonight in two hours and 15 minutes.
1: Yeah, we very well could be. I I think it's going to be, what would the game five be, Sunday? I would assume a week from Sunday. No, so, because then
0: they go back to that stupid two-day break thing. Oh so Game gosh. 5 so would Monday? be the following Monday at Ball Arena, yes.
1: Okay. Well, for personal reasons with flight football, that works out better for me. But I think it's going to be a week from Monday. I, I do think I think the Heat have uh, a lot of fight in them. I mean, that's why they're here, right? Like that is a scrappy, resilient bunch I think Jimmy Butler's got to put on the cape game in him. I told Zach by today when I was uh, sitting in for for Stoke. Jimmy Butler's the, just being invisible last night was the was crazy to me. Like I didn't even notice he was on the floor. He scored the first five points and scored eight points the rest of the game. Like the remaining 37 minutes, he was on the on the floor. It was bizarre. I, I, I almost felt like he was a boxer who knew, hey, we're we're not winning this round this game. We're just not. So in a in a fight it would be around. I'm just gonna bide my time. I'm gonna wait for my moment. I'm not gonna overexert myself. I'm gonna save my energy and then I'm gonna strike. Sunday night's the time for him to, to strike and, and try and steal one. Cause he just didn't look like at all like Jimmy Butler. He just didn't it, it, that's a guy that you can't help but notice on both ends of the floor. That would be the only thing that would worry me. And that would be the only thing that I think can give the heat a victory or two or however many they get in the series is Jimmy Butler just being a, a a superhero? But the Nuggets have three or four guys who could do that. I mean, listen, if, if Michael Porter Jr. sitting some shots last night, he's going for twenty five or thirty. Murray had what twenty eight? Jokic had twenty seven. So. Um, I, I just, I just don't think that he'd have the firepower, even if Jimmy Butler does have one or two of those games, but that's how they can get a game. And I think he'll do it at least once.
0: Well, and James, it's why on Tuesday night, when I hosted the show with Jake Shapiro, and he tried to tell me that Jimmy Butler was their toughest task of the playoffs. I said, absolutely not. Kevin Durant was tougher. Devin Booker was tougher. LeBron James was tougher. Anthony Davis was tougher. And maybe Anthony Edwards was tougher. And a lot of the texters gave me a lot of pushback. And then I talked to you and Dmac about that on Coffee Break on Wednesday of like, hey, Jimmy's had a nice run. He has. But he hasn't been the same since he rolled his ankle against the Knicks. And the Nuggets have already beaten better competition than Jimmy Butler, and I don't mean that as disrespect to Jimmy Butler, but the way he played last night, LeBron James isn't going to have a game like that. Kevin Durant's not going to have a game like that, where, like you said, they just disappear, and you're wondering if they're even on the floor. It's why my take on Tuesday, I believe, was the correct take of Jimmy Butler's a great player, but he's also the fifth or sixth best player the Nuggets have faced in this postseason, and last time I checked, they're 13-3 and to this point. So I can't talk myself into uh, fear-mongering about Jimmy Butler when I just don't think he's on the same radar as guys they've already beaten.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair, and you're right. Since he rolled his ankle, he's just not been the same guy. We had Tim Reynolds on, who works for the AP and, and covers everything in Miami, and he was talking about that. Of uh, he just hasn't had one of those games. I mean, his big his big playoff games were against the Bucks in the first round, and he did I, look. They won that series for two reasons. Number one, Giannis got hurt. That's why they won that series. And two, uh, Jimmy Butler was just incredible. And in at least two of those games, he almost single handedly carried him. So and then just unbelievably bad play by the Bucks. Remember the, the game winning shot to win that series was a an inbounds pass where somehow they let Jimmy catch it and throw it in for a layup, which was just laughable. Um, it, it, it's just, I just believe that guy, though, in the playoffs is special. And I'm, I hear what you're saying, and I heard the conversation with Jake on Tuesday, and I think overall I agree with you that Kevin Butler, or Kevin Butler, Kevin uh, Durant is certainly a, a better player. Devin Booker's a better player overall, but in the postseason, Jimmy's just a different cat, man. He is. Booker
0: was different in the postseason, though. What's Uh, that? Booker was different in the postseason. He was. He was shooting 80% against the Nuggets. He's the only reason the Nuggets didn't bring bring their brooms to Phoenix, and that thing went
1: six. And they overcame a 31-point half from LeBron James in game four. Like, this is a team that has taken some really good teams and some all-time great players' best shots and still, you know, come out uh, on the other side. So... I'm not worried about it. I don't think Jimmy Butler's going to carry the heat to a championship and turn around this series. All I'm saying is I think that guy's going to almost will his team to a victory or potentially two in this series. I'm not ready to call this thing a sweep. But, listen, the, the, that's just me saying one guy's going to do it because from a logical standpoint, an Eric Spoelstra, what is your adjustment standpoint, I, I watched the game last I'm like there's no answer because whatever he tried to do, whenever the, the heat would, would zig, the nuggets would zag, and the, the prime example is what Aaron Gordon did in the first quarter, and then he did basically nothing the rest of the game because they took that away. It's like, okay, you want to you take that away? We'll go over here. You want to take that away? We'll go over here. It was just a master class in, like I say, basketball IQ.
0: Well, and Haywood Highsmith goes for 18. Bam Adebayo goes for 26. Those are significantly higher totals than anyone anticipated going into game one. James, those were their two players that really showed up. I guess Gabe Vincent had a nice game, hit some shots late, but – in the grand scheme of things, there's a there's a path last night where Miami only gets to 75 points. Yeah, and,
1: Bam, and Bam was good though, but we we slept on Bam. We can't complain about people not paying attention to Bam, to Jokic and then not admit that we were sleeping on Bam a little bit.
0: A, a little bit, a little bit. But I'll, I'll I'll bet you you know a cheeseburger or whatever, a salad, a lunch that Bam doesn't go for 26 again in this series. That was the absolute outlier last night from Bam. I'm just saying Miami doesn't have any scores. And that's why the Tyler Hero wrinkle is interesting. Woj is reporting he could come back for game two. Uh, Hero hasn't played in six weeks. I get it. It's a big stage to ask him to come back on. But Tyler Hero can put the ball in the bucket, and that's what Miami needs. My point was, James, if if Highsmith doesn't overachieve, and yes, Bam is good, but he still overachieved at least a little bit last night, Miami is looking at a total in the 70s, validating why they were 30th out of 30 in scoring in the NBA this year. They can't keep up with the Nuggets. They lost by 11 on a night the Nuggets couldn't make any threes, James. If those two don't show up and the Nuggets make their threes like normal, we're looking at a final score like 120 to 75.
1: Yeah, I mean, if the Heat can't hit open threes, they have no shot. And even if they do, they're still beatable. But, like, if you go back and look at the Boston series, that was essentially the the four games they won, they hit open shots. The three games they didn't win, they couldn't hit anything. Last night, they couldn't throw it in the ocean. And, you know, Tyler Hero, last time I checked, played most of the regular season, and they were the worst offensive team in the league. So will he help? Sure. Will he be the the cure-all? Absolutely not, especially – right out of the gate in Game 2. I, it's part of the reason I only gave the Nuggets a C, though, for the game last night. They didn't shoot the ball great, particularly Michael Porter Jr., although I thought he played really well. He just couldn't make a shot.
0: Very but, complete game from him, which yeah. is a, which is a change, James, because if he goes 2 of 11 a year or two ago, we're talking about a Porter disappearing act, and that was yes. not the case at all last night.
1: Yeah, I thought he played really, really well. He just d- didn't shoot the ball well. Um, I, I didn't think they defended great because there were a lot of open looks. and just, At some point... If a guy can't make a shot, you're just going to let him shoot it. I get it. We've all played basketball, right? Like, if you're guarding the guy that can't make a shot, you're not busting your butt to get out there and get right up on him. You're just you're letting him shoot it and getting in rebound position. But I didn't think they were great defensively. Michael Porter Jr. was good. Aaron Gordon was terrific, obviously, um, on Jimmy. But I, I think the Nuggets can, you know, all the people want to say, hey, the Heat aren't going to shoot that bad. They can play better. Sure, I'll, I'll acknowledge that. But the Nuggets can play significantly better. If you compare the way the Nuggets played last night to their best games in this postseason, and I think probably their best game was game six in Phoenix to close out the Suns, I just, if the Nuggets had played like that last night, they would have won by 40. I mean, it just would have been even more of a laugher. So if Miami plays better on Sunday than they did last night, okay, I expect that. I also expect the Nuggets to play better.
0: Yeah, you just said 40 my 120 to 75 would be 45. So we're go. we're on the same page right there. Were you surprised particularly after the way Gordon dominated and I know they adjusted to that, but were you surprised that Kevin Love couldn't even crack the rotation last night? That one that one surprised me from Spolstra that he didn't get a savvy veteran like Love with championship experience into that basketball game at all. When I I know he didn't play a ton against Boston, but he definitely had some nice moments. That, to me, was kind of the biggest surprise of Miami's bench last night.
1: Yeah, and I think you'll see some different things, and you'll probably see Kevin Love on Sunday. It, it was my, It's my biggest reason for my criticism of Michael Malone in previous playoffs, right? Of We've seen it just during this run of Darvin Ham tried some different things, multiple different starting lineups. I, I get it. They got swept, but you have to try something else. Monty Williams tried something else and and tried different guys. He had to after Chris Paul got injured. And then when DeAndre Ayton didn't play in game six, uh, nothing worked, but at least you have to try it. I think Eric Spolster will try a few few different things. He's not going to come out there and say, we're going to do the exact same thing we did in game one and expect a different result. That would be the definition of insanity. And I do think that, uh, you know, a coach could talk themselves into, man, look at all these open jump shots. We lost by 11. If we hit four of those, uh, you know the the three guys that want to combine two for 27 or whatever it was if there's six for 27 we win that game i get the math but that's not how it would have gone no. at all that the wasn't the game flow. Take, taking their foot off the gas i don't think eric bolster's is going to fall into that trap i think he's going to try some different things and i i do think kevin love would, is going to be in that mix i think you'll see him on the floor on sunday
0: all right coming up next Nikola jokic continues to make history with his ninth Triple-double of these NBA playoffs. Plus, you heard James said he gave the Nuggets a C for his performance. My grade, well, it's a much, much higher. Hope you got fun weekend plans coming up, whether you're going out and about or just chilling. It's a great weekend to be a Nuggets fan because you get to relax until Sunday night as they will be up 1-0 until Game 2 tips off. He's James Merrill, on Will Peterson. We spent about 45 minutes together today on Stoke and Zach with uh, Stokely out and Zach by in Telling some great stories from his awesome night last night. But, James, I just wanted to check. Are we good, man? Are we good?
1: (laughs) Well, we had two arguments in 45 minutes. And that was despite the fact that we spent an entire segment doing trivia, which we got along during that. That was nice. Uh, But, yeah, we're good. You just took major umbrage with my grade of the Nuggets last night, which was a C. And then you also took major umbrage with the fact that I wrote about this at denversports.com a couple of weeks ago, a month ago, that if Nikola Jokic leads the Nuggets to a title, he's going to be in the discussion for the greatest professional athlete in the history of the state. And everybody's knee-jerk is John Elway, and I get it. I saw every home game John Elway ever played for my seats in Section 326, Row 6, Seat 1. But he was never the best player in the league for three consecutive years, ever. And he had Hall of Famers around him when he finally won a title, Nicole Jokic doesn't, and we went round and round about Joe Sakic, which he should be in the conversation, but Jokic will be ahead of him. And man, you just were you were jumping on it, you were all over it.
0: But you told Dmac I was screaming at you. I didn't wow.
1: think I was screaming at you. A little bit of a, I was a little bit hyperbolic. Well,
0: you know, my dad used to say this as a as a when we were kids it would be like one of those things like, oh, you're yelling at me or whatever. And my dad would go, I'm not yelling at you. You'll know when I'm yelling at you.
1: I have used that exact line so many times.
0: So I felt like saying that to you today. (laughs) James, I'm not screaming at you. You'll know when I'm screaming at you.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. Touche, Well,
0: No, all in good fun. We had fun uh, with Zach today. But both those points I do want to dissect here. Let's start with the grade of the game. Where You gave it a C. Um, James, I I, I think it's an A-. minus. Outside of... Two to six minutes in the fourth quarter. The Nuggets were great last night. Nicole Jokic's ninth triple double. As Jeff Van Gundy put on the broadcast, he was just dominating the game every single possession, making the right decision every single time. I'm not a tough grader where when they play for 48 minutes, and let's average it out, let's call it four, four of the 48 minutes were bad. That knocks them down to a C. I don't know how you arrive at that conclusion, so I want to hear that.
1: Yeah, and to me it wasn't just about the four minutes. And I arrive at that conclusion based on this. To me, uh, the A game from the Nuggets is take game six down in uh, Phoenix as an example or take game one against Minnesota in Denver as an example. In those games, if the Nuggets played that way, it would not have mattered if Miami was hitting shots It would not have mattered if Jimmy Butler put on a cape and went for 50. They still would beat the Heat. They still would. The reality is last night, if Miami had had a hot shooting night, and they were the opposite of that last night, but if they'd had a hot shooting night, it could have got a little scary. It could have. If Jimmy Butler had had a 50-burger last night, it could have got a little scary. I did not think they played great defensively. I did not think they shot the ball particularly well And look, was Jokic his typical great self? Sure. Was Jamal Murray really good in spurts? Sure. Was Aaron Gordon good defensively? Yeah. I just didn't think that was the Nuggets playing their best game. I thought it was an average game from the Nuggets, and they still were up 21 going into the fourth quarter. That's how bad Miami was last night. I thought last night was as much about Miami being terrible as it was the Nuggets being great. The Nuggets Mm. were good. If the Nuggets play great in the next three games, they're going to boat race the Heat. doesn't matter what Jimmy Butler and his teammates do.
0: But how are we getting to the point where we're taking Nikola Jokic, putting up 27, 14, and 10 for granted? Cause he that's missed what a it's... couple
1: of free throws. He missed oh, a couple of bunnies. He was like, he 10 of 12 great.
0: from the free throw line. He
1: didn't play great. Have you seen him play better?
0: I have but that's okay. because we are spoiled James that doesn't mean that doesn't mean we get to dismiss 27 14 and 10 it's not great because 27 14 and 10 is greatness James that is I'm not greatness it.
1: I'm not dismissing it but if you've seen him play better And then you call last night great. Well, what do you call when he plays better?
0: Okay, so that's his own fault then, because he got 117 out of 100 on the last test. When he gets 104 out of 100 last night, eh, he wasn't very good. Last time I checked, that's still an A plus. I
1: didn't see you're being a Nuggets fan here, Will. I didn't say he wasn't very good. I didn't. I just said he wasn't great. I've seen him play better. I said the Nuggets weren't great. I've seen them play better. I didn't say they were terrible last night. I didn't say they stink. But anything. Other than an A plus and a star on the paper and a smiley face and a Snickers bar, it's just then you're ripping them. It's like, no, I'm not. I'm just saying, hey, I've seen them play better. They still beat the pants off the Heat and should have won the game by 25. And it wasn't near as close as the score would indicate. And the Heat were never in it on a game when I thought they played kind of an average game for them. Doesn't mean I think they they were average. I said for them, it was an average game. That's how I'm looking at it.
0: All right, but it's like if someone gets a 4-2 GPA one semester and gets a 3-9 GPA the next semester, we all going to freak out? Like, that's, that's again, a 3-9 is still really, really, really good. 27-14-10 is still really, really, really good. It puts you at the top of the class. You're still going to the Ivy Leagues. That's what Nicole Jokic is still doing, so I just want to make that clear.
1: I get it. I get it. I'm, but let me just be clear. I'm not saying he played bad. I'm not saying the Nuggets played bad. I just thought it was kind of an average performance. For the Nuggets. That's all I'm saying. So I'm going to grade them based on what I know they can do, right? Like, if you can run a seven-minute mile, and then you go out and run a nine-minute mile, you're still faster than 95% of the people in the country. But I'm going to say, hey, Will, it was kind of a C day today. What do you want me to do? Patch on the back and say, good job loafing?
0: Can 95% of the people not run a nine-minute mile?
1: I don't know. Whatever the time is. There's, yeah, probably. You want to go down to Ball Arena on Sunday and... We'll just sit there and pick people as they walk in and say whether they could or couldn't.
0: <laughs> okay, you, you, you make a fair point there. It just it seemed like a low number, but I, I get what you're you're getting at there. All right, so we're going to disagree on the grades. Let's let's talk about this this premise that if Jokic wins the NBA title, he's somehow the the greatest. I, I want to make sure I'm using the correct word. Is it athlete?
1: Greatest professional athlete in the history of the state. Okay, I, and I, I I'm ready to put him. Atop that list, and a guy that didn't come up in our conversation, and it's why I ranked him as the greatest Bronco of all time. Right now, I do think Peyton Manning is the greatest professional athlete in the history of the state. I do.
0: See, now we're, now we're going down two totally different conversations. I know, I
1: know. It's a different can of worms. But the four years he had here, Will, were Unbelievable. I mean, they had the greatest offense of all time. He won an MVP. They went to two Super Bowls, and they won a title. Well, he, he, he personally had two and a half great years, James. Are we, I mean, we've given out the longevity award. Is no, but, we're doing? but but if you try to argue. Are we, we doing you the d- Don Sutton Award? That's what we're doing? If hey, you you pitched try- pitch for 87 years and got to 300 wins with your perm, Don. Here you go. If you try to
0: argue with me earlier that John Elway had a ton of help around him and all these Hall of Famers, well, guess what? Two and a half years of Peyton Manning was great, and then the last year and a half he had a ton of help around him and Hall of Famers: Demarcus Ware, Von Miller. Um, maybe not Hall of Famers, but a keep to lead Chris Harris Jr., Derek Wolfe, Malik Jackson, T.J. Ward. No one is sitting here saying Peyton Manning won Super Bowl Fifty for the Broncos. So now, now we're just having two totally different conversations. Well, Elway I mean, doesn't Famers get credit team. for his Miller, supporting cast. Von Miller was a Hall of Famer. Demarcus Ware is a Hall of Famer. I think he just okay, got in, right? He
1: not, not primarily for what he did as a Bronco. But what
0: he did during the Super Bowl 50 run. I mean, he, he single-handedly beat Tom Brady on the two-point conversion to, to send him to the Super Bowl. He sacked Cam Newton twice in the Super Bowl. He had players around him. Yeah, he, yeah. Played at, he played at a Hall of Fame level uh, those
1: three playoff games. He absolutely did. So, I mean... I mean, who was the starting running back in that game? CJ?
0: Yeah, who scored the only offensive touchdown for the Denver Broncos that okay. day.
1: Okay. Not even a ring of famer, but okay.
0: <laughs> Listen, man. If Peyton Manning is the greatest athlete in Denver sports history, it's a
1: hodgepodge offensive line, hodgepodge batch of tight ends,
0: then you can, you can, sure, you can claim Nikola Jokic passes Peyton Manning. I'm not going to give you pushback on that. Where I will he's give already, you pushback.
1: I, I, I think if he wins a title, that one's, I think he's clearly ahead of Sakik. You can make an argument for Manning. Elways won. I get it. He's won. But Nikola Jokic, what he's accomplished, well, it's a better resume than John Elways. It just is. It is.
0: Last time I checked, it's two championships to zero, three if you want to count his time as an exact. So three, three this, this, this Lombardi trophies. Three Lombardi trophies are not as great as one NBA and Finals. Well, on win. Half as
1: many time he's been the best player in the league three times. Won two, two MVPs. He'll have a title with not a single All Star around him, which is incredible in a sport where the the deck is stacked against you. If you play in Denver, it's a it's a better resume. It just is. He's the most accomplished professional athlete in the history of the state if they finish this deal off and win a title.
0: Well then we just have different standards because my
1: ultimate measuring well, if he stick is sixteen years so probably pass him in every category you might have.
0: Yeah, but my measuring stick is trophies. Yours is other stuff.
1: Well trophies there's so much other stuff that goes into it.
0: There well, just is. Well, like, then call it rings, parades. That's that's my. That's a team stake.
1: accomplishment versus an individual accomplishment. When was what? Tell me the season. And he won the won the MVP in 1987 in a strike-shortened season where the regular players played 12 games. The other, you know, who the the MVP of the other strike-shortened season in the NFL was in 1982. I don't know. It was. Oh, why did the guy blank on the guy's name? It was the kicker for the Redskins. That's who it was.
0: Wow, that's a low low bar to clear if they're giving MVP to a kicker. So in the two
1: strike shortened seasons, it was kicker Mark Mosley and John Elway. That was the MVPs. Tell me the other year he was the best player in the league. Tell me the other year he was the best quarterback in the league. He wasn't. It was Dan Marino. It was Joe Montana. It was Brett Favre. It was Steve Young.
0: Okay, but I, I remember the helicopter. I remember the bomb to Rod Smith. Yeah, I remember these signature moments in Super Bowls that made him the greatest athlete in Denver sports history. And Jokic had one of those he did a last great job night. Job
1: in Super Bowl thirty two, handing it off to TD, did a great job.
0: James, they don't win the Super Bowl without the helicopter. It's the reason it's the most iconic he play. He it for one hundred twenty three yards, but it's the most iconic play in Broncos history, and he made it in a Super
1: Bowl. He did. I, I, and again, this turns into where I have to become the guy who's disparaging John Elway. I'm just telling you, I watched John Elway have a lot of stinkers a lot of them. And in, in hindsight, with everybody in their orange tinted nostalgia glasses, act like the guy never threw an interception, never had a bad game, never went down to new Orleans and lost 42 to nothing to the saints in a regular season game, which was the last time the Broncos had been shut out prior to the Simeon led team getting shut out in, uh, in LA by the chargers a few years ago. Like there were some stinkers. I mean, part of the reason he had 47 fourth quarter comebacks is because he was terrible a lot for the first three quarters of games. Like, People just don't want to hear that, and that's fine. We all like to live in the past, and it was, you know, a a better time and it was an easier time and all the rest of this stuff. What Nikola Jokic has accomplished in his career is a better resume than what John Elway did with the Broncos. I'm sorry, it just is. Okay. They win a championship.
0: So, you have Jokic in Manning. I have Elway and Sackick. So, yeah, we have yeah. four great options. There's I'm no sure dis-
1: Joe Sackick, if you take Peter Forsberg and Patrick Waugh off those teams, would have been. I mean, what did he do before they got Waugh?
0: Well, last time I checked, Peter Forsberg blew, blew out his spleen in the 01 playoffs, and Sackick still got it done.
1: And he had Patrick Juan Nett. He had a Hall of Fame goaltender, arguably the greatest goaltender in the history of the sport.
0: Yeah, he also scored an iconic goal in game seven against Martin Brodeur. So, who's, I mean.
1: Who's the other player on this roster that we're going to, uh, this Nuggets roster, that we're going to say he was the greatest fill in the blank in the history of the sport? Who? Because Joe Sakic had the greatest goaltender in the history of the, the game. What, are we going to ever say that about Jamal? Aaron Gordon? KCP? MPJ?
0: Well, I watched Joe Sakic beat a guy in Game Seven of the Stanley Cup playoffs that may have been the greatest goaltender in the history of the game, and that's Martin
1: Brodeur. So Joe Sakic was a great player. He was. He was. He had a lot of help. He was on. A, he was on the best. He was on a team that was just the best team in hockey, and they were loaded with talent. The second time around, they went and added Ray Bork and you know, had Adam Foot. I mean, those teams were just loaded with talent. This Nuggets roster doesn't have an all star on it. Michael Porter Jr.'s never been an all star. Jamal Murray's never been an all star. But but they're
0: not all stars because the national media disrespects them. Mm. Aaron Gordon should have been an all star this year. Jamal Murray had a case to be an all star mm. this year. James, they should have had three All Stars. Like Memphis and Sacramento got more, more All Stars than the Nuggets. It was well,
1: we'll see if they are next year when they're the defending champs.
0: We'll yeah, see. I, I I'll bet you right now they have at least three All Stars next year. Three? Yes. Some okay. combo
1: of Jokic, Murray, a lot of cheeseburgers. We Porter, cheeseburgers, or
0: man. some combination of Mo- Murray, Gordon, Jokic.
1: He's carrying a team without an all star to an NBA title. But we don't want to act like that's the greatest, uh, an unbelievable accomplishment. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I many, never said many, it wasn't unbelievable. How, how many, many unbelievable. MVPs did Joe Sackett win? How many?
0: One? <laughs> I never said it wasn't unbelievable.
1: Did he win one? He won one MVP in all those years. He won one. Nicole Jokic has been the best player in the NBA three years in a row. He won two in a row and he we all know why he didn't get it this year. We all know. I, so he, he should have got he should he should have accomplished something that has been done like what twice in the history of the NBA?
0: We're up against it, so we're gonna hit a break here. Coming up next on the other side.
1: Sorry, I'm the Nikola Jokic fan on this on the show.
0: <laughs> the Eagles. The Eagles wanted Russell Wilson before the Broncos made their move. Oh, how that would have changed the destiny of the twenty twenty two NFL season. I do wish we had more time. A fun and spirited discussion. Ramoslaw.com text line 303-713-1043. Pouring in with reaction. We will have to save those for next
1: week. Can I give you a couple of stats? Sure. How many times do you think John Elway led the NFL in passing yards?
0: I, I'm gonna assume you're going to go zero.
1: One. Okay. How many times did he lead the NFL in touchdowns? One. Zero. Prior to T- TD becoming the feature back in 1996, so in John Elway's first 13 seasons, how many times did they win 10 games?
0: Well, he led them to three Super Bowls in the 80s with no supporting cast. So I forgot years.
1: how many 10 win seasons. I know, did he but have? why
0: are we dismissing three Super Bowls in the 80s with with no supporting cast at all?
1: Mm, that's a little unfair. But how many? How Not many-
0: compared to what he had in '97 or '98, or what well, Peyton yeah. had in Super Bowl 50.
1: How many 10 win seasons did he have in his first 13 years? I mean, were they playing fourteen in some of those years? No, They're playing sixteen in all of them. Yeah, four, five, okay, five, ten win seasons in thirteen years. I mean, if Patrick Mahomes had five, ten win seasons in thirteen years, we'd be laughing at him. I mean, just, this is just this silliness.
0: All right, I appreciate the stat. Did you have one more?
1: Well, I mean, there's also the fact that how many division titles he won compared to, to Peyton Manning, but it's all good. I did. I think the case is, uh, is it's, it's just it's a knee jerk to say John Elway because he was here 16 years. He's an icon. He was the first star in this state. He was a great player, but Nikola Jokic is more accomplished.
0: All right, we're going to go rapid fire here to close the show. Uh, report comes today out of Seattle Sports. Our friends up there on the Brock and Salk show. They had uh, SI.com's Greg Bishop on. Makes it abundantly clear, I'll let people read about it at denversports.com, that the Philadelphia Eagles chased Russell Wilson hard for two years, and Wilson did not have Philly on his list. Oh, how that could have changed the course of history for the Eagles with Jalen Hurts and all his success, and also the Broncos, James. A really interesting footnote that Russ was nearly an eagle.
1: Yeah, I'm glad that didn't happen. I'm happy Russ is here, and I may be the only one in town, and I get that and everybody's welcome to get on the bandwagon, you know, come September, October when this team starts winning games. But had they not made the trade, who would be the Broncos quarterback right now? And more importantly, perhaps, who would be their head coach, right? So if they go 5-12 and 12 with Drew Locke last year, Nathaniel Hackett's still here. They're going to blame it on Drew. They're running him out of town. They're drafting who?
0: Well, Aaron Rodgers could have been the quarterback then because he, he was on the trade market this year.
1: Maybe. So, okay, would you feel better? To, that's a great point. Very good point. Would you feel better right now about Nathaniel Hackett as a head coach and Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback or Sean Payton as your head coach and Russell Wilson as your quarterback?
0: God, Hackett he was so incompetent, James. I know. I got I got, I got. to go Payton and Wilson just because Nathaniel Hackett's exactly. the worst head coach in Denver Broncos exactly. history.
1: So it looks bad right now, and it's, it does look like, oh, Philly could have had our problems. Everybody's going to be happy with this once the uh, once the once the regular season gets here and they start winning football games. I want
0: to close on a funny note, James. I do love how the celebrities at Ball Arena last night were Denver NFL stars, NBA legends, and Mr. Chow. That is a perfectly <laughs> fitting group of celebrities for this Nuggets team—the most humble superstars in the league.
1: Yep. No, I, I, I'm with you. It was great. It was uh, it was an awesome crowd. I cannot wait to go down there on Sunday night with my uh, my three sons. It is going to be a, a, a memory for a lifetime, so can't wait. I don't think we're going to quite be a celebrity like Zach By, but we are going to have a ton of fun nonetheless.
0: Have a blast. Go Nuggets. For KJ for James, I'm Will. It's Denver Sports Tonight on The Fan.